Seven Days to Play. Welcome to Seven Days to Play, your weekly mobile game review program. I'm Edwin. And I'm Sam. For the past seven days, I have chosen... <laughs> that was weird. Great. That is how a normal person has chosen. Yep. <laughs> I chose a game for us to play. Yeah. And we'll see how far we've gotten in those seven days of how long we've played this. That's very complicated, <laughs> but we're going to go with it. Yep. Killing it, Sam. I chose Terraforming Mars from... Fricks games. Fricks Fricks games. How would you spell how would you spell Fricks games? Edwin. Um oh because I know the last name of the creator there there's going to be a y and an x in there somewhere. So I'm going to yep. say F R Y C X. Almost there, but no cigar. Oh no. Uh, the C is not there. It's actually just F R Y X games, which mm. makes complete sense. Can you imagine if spelling if you had a spelling bee themed around game studio names? Oh boy, we would be done because there are so many puns. Um, you'd have to ask lots of follow up questions like use it in a sentence. <laughs> Except that'll be the same: a game by, <laughs> but a Scotch shenanigans. <laughs> Terraforming Mars is a originally a board game uh, mm. created by a game designer Jacob or Jakob mm. Frixelius. Sounds like a made-up name, but it actually isn't. Okay, it does sound like someone who would try and terraform Mars. <laughs> totally. Oh, the, Jakob ga- the, the great intrepid adventurers, Elon Musk and Jakob Frixelius. Adventures <laughs> of Musk and Frixelius. <laughs> yeah, see, they sound like adventurers. Or right. Musk and Frixelius, some kind of douchey Deodorant. cocktail bar in, <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or, or possibly a candle scent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Terraforming Mars is originally a board game, uh, made in 2016. It kind of hit the waves in the board game scene, uh, because it kind of resembles, uh, lots of, um, other really popular games like Settlers of Catan, but with more strategic aspects to it. There's aspects of like you know, uh, colonization expansion, resource allocation, card drafting, uh, a little bit of randomness, um, but enough strategy there for like, if you, you're able to change your tactics like halfway through from the things that you're dealt with that allowed you to really take advantage of your situation and, and win the game. So it's, it's been very popular because uh, it's a really well-crafted tabletop board game uh, so obviously, the next step was how do we get this to more people by, of course, making a digital version version of the game. Uh, so it looks like this digital version is actually made by the same people that made the board game, which is the Frixelius family, um, a family-based game company based in uh, Sweden. Another Another Swedish. Something about Sweden and games, I think. They just right. like making them games. Right, because the winters are so long and depressing. There's nothing, you don't want to go outside. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> so this is a family-based company. Uh, Edwin, can you guess, without looking at the notes, how big this family is? Hmm, okay, well, I'm going to go on stereotypes. Stereotypically, European families are pretty small, so I'm going to say four. Including the parents? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this family is 18. Holy heck. 
ten brothers and six sisters and two parents. So they gathered up all the dudes of the family and formed this game company called Fricks Games. Wow. Now, Sam, would you want to go into business with ten of your brothers? I'm not sure no. I would. I mean... <laughs> Maybe like one or two. <laughs> right. Um, but even like brothers, I feel like unless you have a really formal structure, um, that possibly could be set from having 10 other brothers. Yeah. Do you think it's done by age? Like, that's how the uh, hierarchy works. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Sweden is a very progressive company yeah, built around true. consensus and skills. Kind of like uh, Star Trek Next Generation. That is amazing. Anything gets decided, really. <laughs> well, so normally um, this board game takes around two hours to play. Mm-hmm. Have you played and this you, game if, in the past? I have played it once or twice mm-hmm. on tabletop. Yeah. Um, and I remember it taking, first time I played it because people were teaching me, it took me about three hours to finish the game. Yeah. The next time around, even with some familiarity with it, like it took around two hours to finish the game. Um, this digital version of the game makes it a little bit easier because you don't have to account for the rules. You don't have to like calculate stuff at the end of every turn. So it makes things a little bit faster. Um, but overall, it does take a little bit of time to play. Well, I mean, you have to terraform Mars. That's but true. Still. You can't, can't be done in a day. <laughs> you know what they say? Terraforming Mars didn't take a day. Wait. <laughs> Mars wasn't terraformed in a day. There it is. Thank you. Now, Sam... Uh, Freaks Games, but we've heard about them. But when I go to create my profile, I have to create a profile with Asmodee. Asmodee. Who the heck are they? Asmodee is a board game publishing company. Mm. So they are previously well known for other games like Ticket to Ride. Based on the Beatles song? <laughs> yes. Exactly based on the Beatles song, which we all know and love. Actually, I really dislike that song. Yeah, that's not a good song, is it? (laughs) Uh, Asmodee made other games. uh, I mean, the reason why Asmodee is good is because they they publish these more Euro-style games. But (laughs) things that are a little bit more family-friendly. Smaller cut bathing suits. Slightly fancy cheeses. (laughs) Banana hammocks. (laughs) Um, It's European. But it's also like what what they're good about, what Asmodee is really good about is that they're very high in quality in terms of the cardboard they use, the box art. Everything is packaged up pretty nicely. If you know of other board game publishing companies, I'd say they're up there with Fantasy Flight. I don't know if you've played any other Fantasy Flight board games, but they're kind of like they make games for Games Workshop every once in a while. Mm, And so they're that level of quality where... Everything has really good fit and finish. The The design is impeccable. The gameplay might actually not be that great, but otherwise the quality of like the board games are, are superb. Mm, Asmodee comes from a more family-friendly approach where they have games that could be either played with the whole family, but more like broader reach, I feel, like a, um, a wider audience appeal. Mm. And I think like Terraforming Mars gets into like a little bit more science fiction-y parts of it, but still, you know... You can break this out with your family, and the theme would probably be understood and enjoyed by the members of your 18-people family household. <laughs> can you imagine how long would your terraforming miles take if you had 18 players? <laughs> like a, two weeks, I imagine. <laughs> One round would be two hours. <laughs> yes. It feels like 
describing the gameplay is probably, or describing the game itself is probably beyond the scope of the time we have available for this show. Yeah, it is a very complicated game, right? So this is going, this is like a board game where it's not like a Monopoly board game, right? It's not just like rolling the dice and proceeding on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more in terms of like the more hardcore Euro style board games where there are different phases to the turns where you can do certain things. Um, so think of it from uh, a Catan, like a Settlers of Catan perspective, but even more in depth of like what you can and can't do in certain parts of your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like strategy aspects to it. There are, you know, resource collection aspects to it. Uh, but overall, the goal is that, well, the theme is that you're a company. You're like this big science fiction conglomerate company in like the, the year of, people, Sam. of 2400 something. And your goal is to terraform Mars, like that David Bowie song. <laughs> so the goal is to terraform Mars, and so they're essentially just like three meters uh, that indicate what the status of Mars is. And these three meters are the oxygen level, the temperature, and what was the third one? The ocean? Yeah, the ocean, of, the water number level. of oceans, yes. Number of oceans. And throughout the game... Each player slash company has an opportunity to increase those levels. Uh, and when all the levels have been met, where Mars is now considered habitable, uh, is when the game stops. And then throughout that process, you're gaining victory points. You're gaining all these different things that uh, allows you to get points in different ways. Uh, and at the end, when Mars has fully been terraformed, is when you calculate up those points to see who has who is the best company <laughs> rise from the ashes of mars yes yes scoring is a little complicated but um yes who has the most victory points at the end sam how did you get on with the game so this being a board game that usually takes about two hours um i have really mixed feelings because i think the game itself is a pretty good representation of the board game. Yep. It's one of those things where it still feels like the board game in a good way. So there are other board game interpretations where sometimes it just feels like a, a, a literal plop down of the board game and you're actually controlling the components of the board game in digital form, which doesn't make it feel like a video game. Whereas I think with this, with what Terraforming Mars did pretty effectively is to kind of make it feel more native like a video game, but still, you know, keep that aspect of what it makes it feel like a good board game, if that makes any sense. So Yeah, they've got the balance quite nicely between it being based on a board game, but also it's now a digital interaction. Right. So it kind of feels like uh, those civilization games, but it still keeps itself uh, feeling like a board game, which I, which I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same. I think it's a faithful representation of Terraforming Mars, and it feels good. I think where I struggled is I don't necessarily want to play Terraforming Mars every day. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing um, that I also came across. It's it does take two hours to play this game, even yeah. in the digital form where things are being calculated for you. It's a huge chunk of time that you have to invest to. Um, not only that, like learning it if you don't know how to play it, yeah. is 
pretty demanding. Yeah, because both of us have played it in real life before, so that I think we mm-hmm. come to it with a pretty huge advantage. Going th- even, but going through the tutorial, I was I had forgotten a lot. Like I probably hadn't played it for twelve months or so. Um, right. But yeah, and I, it's not a graceful tutorial. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. But yeah, I think even. But if I hadn't really played this before, I think I would be absolutely baffled. Right. Like if I didn't understand the value of like what this game, because I know I understand that this game is fun because I've played the board game before. And you had if fun. I didn't. Yeah. If I didn't like it, this would be a very, very, very hard sell, um, especially to someone that might not know what these types of board games are. Mm, yeah. And also what exactly this board game is. So yeah, very hard sell. There's some play modes we should maybe discuss. Um, you can do a kind of a solo challenge where mm. you just, you play that. So this is quite an interesting variation for shorter games. You can play a solo challenge where in a normal game you play against two or more other players. In a solo challenge, it's just you. Um, but you have a limited number, sort of the constriction then in the solo mode is there's, only, there's fewer generations in which you need to terraform Mars. Generations being a complete turn i guess for lack of a better word um and after each generation the i think temperature rises by one and the oceans or the oxygen level Mm. rises by one so in this mode you're kind of playing against yourself and against the game uh in terms of uh yeah can you terraform mars before the generation clock runs out um so that was a nice concession i think those games can take less time Right. But I wasn't particularly captivated by it, personally speaking. I don't know if you tried it, Sam. Yeah, a lot of these games, even on the analog version, like the tabletop version, they do offer ways to play it solo. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting, because like, sometimes you just want to learn the mechanics, you want to get familiar with it, you want to understand what the cards do. Uh, so they offer a way for you to play solo, like solitaire way. And so the the mechanic of like increasing the generations by the temperature and all that stuff. Like, I think that's a really good way, but I don't know. Hmm, I haven't tried it. I, I saw that it was there, but I don't think I would take it upon myself to play it that way. I mean, the whole purpose of playing these board games isn't really to play the game, I feel. It's really to have the inter- interaction between you and your friends saying yeah. really s- silly things, you know, <laughs> Mars puns. Oh, that's true. Yep. Musk bucks. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, enjoy that time. And that's what makes like that two hour gameplay a little bit more bearable. Agreed. But that is also like another barrier, right? Yeah. But I'm glad that it's there. Yep, that's true. Uh, you can also play against uh, AI, which reading reports online, people were saying that these AIs are so easy. I beat the hard on my first turn. That was not the case for me. I got absolutely whipped by a, the easy AI. So, you know, depending on your skill level. Um, but even that, playing once, yeah, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really compelled to play again against an AI. Yeah. Uh, I guess the benefit of the AI thing is that it can save your progress while you're playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, that's true. Although I didn't verify that. No, it does. Uh, I tried it for a little bit. And I assumed that it would save and I quit it out. Um, but unfortunately, because I kind of know what that feeling was like, uh, I didn't return back to it. So, 
Oh, I see. Yeah, I think you can. You can either forfeit the game, which obviously mm. doesn't mean that it quits out. But I think if you just go back to the main menu, um, slightly hidden, you can on the main menu. There's a resume game tab, and it should have all your previous games that are still in flow there. Right. But um, UI is a little tricksy. It is a little tricky. I feel like this game has most of it right when it comes to UI, but it it, it falls to me. It falls into the trap of like okay. It really doesn't take into consideration what other modern games are doing when it comes to some of the the UI stuff properly. Yes. It gets most of it done, but a lot of it still feels like it's a struggle between the analog version of the game and like what you expect from an app or a game. Yeah, agreed. I think particularly when we tried to play multiplayer game that was when we ran into oh a whole yes a whole bunch of difficulties so for multiplayer options you can play against other real people in the world uh, so you can join public games you can then also create private matches mm-hmm. um which is what we did um and that's where we kind of ran into some problems because mm-hmm. oh boy that was i mean, it took I mean about 20 minutes even just to get us all set up for reasons, it was just very unclear how to get your friends into a game. You have to go create a, a um, As profile, account. yeah, which is like okay, fine, fair enough. Um, other multiplayer games use like a room code, so you can just like, hey, I'm setting up a game. Here's the code. Boom, you join. Easy. This, however, you can only invite people if they're online. I think, but then you also have to find them through the chat interface, which is horribly confusing and um people were not popping up online so they have to have to be online to be invited which seems like a there was doesn't seem a reason for that and then also being notified that you've been invited to a game seemed to just not work or right if you force quit and then restarted all suddenly your invitation would pop up but then by that time i had gone oh this hasn't worked i'll try again so i'd closed out that game so just got into a really weird state and it was really not a pleasant experience to try and get this game going yeah i think like you said like it could easily be solved i mean not easily it could be solved if we had if there was some sort of room number system um because sometimes refreshing that list of currently of games that are open and ready to be played is a hard task to do right to Mm -hmm. constantly refresh it uh, and then to determine so you know, what might be better is, like you said, like a room code. And if you want to keep that private, to set a password um, that could be shared very easily with through text message or other stuff. Yep. I feel like you can also bypass the whole creating an account system by then, right? Like you don't necessarily need to create an Asmodee account in order to join those rooms. You can just go in as the randomly generated player 1475342. <laughs> Yep. And then just tell your friends, hey, it's me, Sam, right? Yeah. Like as soon as, because there is an in-game chat, which I found very uh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like I think those things are just, you know, net code is hard. Online multiplayer is very hard to code, um, especially for something like this. That's like a board game. There isn't a lot of like, I don't think there's like lots of documentation out there. Like I think if you're going to play or create an online shooter game or something like that. Like there's probably lots of examples out there and things that you can reference or libraries that you can use off the bat. Right. But something like this is very difficult. But I feel like we've still seen it done with less friction. This felt very difficult. That's true. And frustrating. 
And to be honest, if we didn't have to play it, or if we weren't trying to play it at least once, I think I probably would have given up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got to the point where like we just couldn't see each other, or I weren't, I wasn't getting the notification that you invited me. Um, if he, if it was even working, or if it was just delayed, right? I think that was one of the issues. Is I know he sent it, but I don't know if it's just delayed for some reason, or if he has to send it again, create a new one. Yeah, it was just lack of transparency there let's get on to the three by three zedwin three things good and three things that displease first good thing this is a faithful recreation of the board game terraforming mars which i enjoyed and also yeah there's some like slick animations and interactions the music is great um it just looks like a most of it looks like a well-polished um version of terraforming mars yeah i agree uh, definitely felt the same way. I felt of all the different board game interpretations that we played in the past or attempted to play in the past, I felt like this was a pretty good one uh, where it did feel like a lot of it is terraforming Mars, but at the same time made some pretty good, you know, digital game changes to, to ease the, the gameplay. Like you don't have to calculate everything. You don't have to really understand like there isn't, it didn't really feel like it was just a physical, like a, a digital representation of the board game. Uh, so, yes, kudos to that. Love it. My second good point, having played the game in the tabletop version, um, keeping track of what's happening and all the coordination and scoring and just essentially keeping track of state. Um, it's fantastic to have a computer do that for you. You know, the downside is it's can be less obvious exactly what's happening when right. and you can just kind of gloss over and suddenly if you're not paying attention for a couple of minutes and you kind of come back you're like oh wait what happened why is this going on but um compared to having to keep track of everything in uh in the real version not the real version but in the real life version of the game um it is great to have the computer do that for you yeah totally and i think the the other benefit of this is that you can kind of learn as you go more so than on the board game. Like, if you're actually playing the physical board game, you're going to stop the team a lot. You're going to stop the group play a lot to say, okay, what's exactly happening here? What do I need to do? Yeah. Whereas with this, you can kind of fumble your way through the first few rounds, and then by the end of the game, you'll kind of understand what you're doing. Um, and that's certainly happened for me. Like, I played this game uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and so I didn't fully remember the rules, but when yeah. I started playing it, I kind of, rather than going through the lengthy tutorial, I just started playing it and that got me to understand by the end of it. It's like, okay, I remember now. Like, this is what we have to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, t- the tutorial acted as a pretty good refresher. It was a little clunky. Um, I think as someone who is being refreshed on already knowing the rules, it worked well. I'm not sure it would work that well for someone coming in completely new. Right. But I mean, the tutorial was still very, very long. Yes. I mean, thankfully it was divided into parts. <laughs> chapter one part one tutorial yeah. <laughs> how to play yes um but still other yeah things yeah last good point as as awkward as the online support was i feel that was kind of the saving grace if you don't have online support for a game like this where you can play other people i feel like this game wouldn't survive at all um yeah so I guess, yes, if you like to play board games between friends, this is one to check out. Because it does have the capability for you to play other people or your friends. So when we played it, we were playing it all in real time. 
we had FaceTime chat on and then we were, you know, sitting down for what was it, an hour or two playing the game. There is, from what I understand, like a asynchronous mode that is, you know, mm-hmm. you don't all need to be online at the same time. You can like take your turn, finish it, and then the other person in the next X amount of time can take their turn. But we didn't, it was seemed tricky, or at least the experience of trying to get multiplayer up and running. I don't know if the async mode is particularly graceful. I think reading around it, it's there's not really a notification of when it's your turn to play. Mm. So if you've got multiple games on the go, you kind of have to check into each one to find out, oh, wait, is it my turn or not? Um, it's also every time you'd come back to the app after backgrounding it, you'd get a full screen popover saying, you've been disconnected, right. which is just well very clumsy when you say okay and then you reconnect like there's really no reason for that like there's just some things as we'll come to certainly in the bad points um that just doesn't fill me with confidence that the async mode would be uh slick or well implemented but real-time multiplayer if you can get up and running and get and find your friends get them invited have uh, a two-hour chunk of time available. And yes, <laughs> right. Like when I said it, when I started it, I thought, "Oh, we can just do this async; it'll be fine." But then it, yeah, turned out that actually, it was, so I took up two hours of the afternoon, which is very enjoyable. <laughs> but wasn't it was quite very planned. enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My last good point is much like the board game, like the end when you're calculating the scores is like quite an exciting fun part of the game mm-hmm. and they've done a really great job here in the uh, digital version you get a little like bar chart of your final victory points and how they're calculated because you know there's a whole bunch of math involved and like are there forests next to your cities that increases your victory points and you know all this fun stuff so you get to see this sort of um progress progressometer of all the different uh, corporations you're playing against and that's they captured that feeling of excitement of the final score cal- calculation pretty well. And that was, yeah. that was a lot of fun. It definitely makes it really exciting at the end. Um, they say the, the, the sentiments that you have of an experience, especially when you're playing a game, if it has, or like watching a movie, if yep. you like the, the beginning and you like the ending, then overall your sentiment of that experience will be very positive. So mm, the okay. middle could be total garbage. Interesting. But, if you like the beginning and you like the end, your sentiment will be positive. About oh, that. So okay. Think well, about that, game makers. Yes, make it easy to find your friends and play multiplayer. On to the bad points. On to the bad points. Uh, yeah, so my first bad point, it's still a two-hour game. Um, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think there's really a way to sidestep around this, except for the fact that... Uh, to make a completely different game, which I think is not the purpose of this. But if you're looking for something more short or reasonable, I I think two hours is kind of not reasonable and something that you do need to account for to say, okay, this, I need about more than an hour or two hours to actually play this with friends. And it needs to be an obligation. (laughs) That's true. I think in theory, it should get faster as you understand the game more. Yep. It does take a chunk of time. Although it does look great, there are still some just, how to describe it, just uh, clumsy, I would say, UI mm. and uh, menu interactions that are just kind of baffling in, in choice. It's almost like you're back to like the early 2000s when people were trying to do web design and they were just thinking about 
how much stupid, how, how much crap you get on screen ones versus hang on what are people actually trying to do here and right. get, how can we get the ui out of the way so they can do the things um i mean it's just little things like as you mentioned before if you background the app and come back to it you suddenly get a full screen popover that takes up the whole screen and says disconnected which right. and there's only an okay button which like there are triggers in the app to know when you're full screened again on your back in the main screen to say, oh, look, there's a hook. Boom, we can reconnect. Um, this is like access denied is something you see quite a lot in the game for s- strange reasons. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of each generation, you have this sort of system where you can choose which cards you want to buy out of like a set of four. You can choose mm. three cards and like, oh, you, you would have thought, okay, great. I can just select multiple choice and, you know, in one interaction, I'm done and choosing which cards I want. Nope, you have to do manual select okay select okay i mean just like little things like this which is just clumsy in a way that's kind of confusing um even the main menu itself finding that there's oh wait there's a resume tab like i Mm. didn't even see that for the first few times i was playing um i don't know it just seems a little bit stuck in 15 years ago ui technology Totally. I mean, even the look and feel, I feel like it's very much, it feels like a game from the 2000s where the buttons are crazy hexagons (laughs) with drop shadows and cool fonts on it. Yeah. Um, Which is an anesthetic choice, but it doesn't doesn't make it feel light. Yeah, it doesn't make it feel like it's snappy or it doesn't make it feel like, you know, it's it's really been catered as like a, a mobile slash iOS game. Um. And I think that's like the other aspect of it. We played it on the iPad, mm-hmm. right? Which we had like a lot of space to see all the different small texts and stuff. And I think, you know, the cluttering aspect kind of allows itself to feel like a board game. But I couldn't even imagine how this plays on the iPhone. I don't think there's a separate interface for the iPhone. I feel like it's just all shrunken down, which would be crazy. Right, I haven't even tried. I have not tried it on my phone, <laughs> so I cannot speak to that. But right. yeah, just the yeah, UI is annoying. There's like, I think also there's like pop up. There's pop ups all the time for like pop-up mundane mania. actions. Yeah, it's just a strange choice. Like for example, ending your turn, which is something you do fairly often, you suddenly get a pop up every time you want to do that. But you know, placing a city or doing like large, larger like irreversible game actions. There's no pop. There's mm. no confirmation for that. Suddenly, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm done. Like one other little thing I ran into. There's some cards that have like multiple actions. Like you increase your greenery, you can choose a spot to build a forest, and then you can place a city. And at no point in the UI does it tell you which step of those are on. So I suddenly got into the um, into the situation where like, oh, there was you know a square highlighted. And it was like, you have to put something here, but I didn't know if I'm, am I placing a city here? Am I placing a forest? Mm. Am I doing, like, which part of the actions on this card am I doing? And there's no way to go back to the card and look at it to remind myself what all the kind of side effects were. So they're just, yeah. Uh, UI clunkiness. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next bad point is that this was like such a hard sell in all aspects for me. Like if I didn't know the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this game is eight ninety nine. Or right off the bat, like without you being able to test the game or play the game or sample the game in any way, it was eight ninety nine. Um, it says it's available on the iPhone. I haven't tried it on the iPhone. Tried it on the iPad because I know that that experience is going to be better. But 
if I had gotten it for the iPhone, I just think things would be so unreadable and unusable. On top of that, it is a two-hour game. (laughs) (laughs) So there was just a lot of uh, barriers. Unless you are really comfortable with playing Terraforming Mars on the board game and would somehow like to experience that again with friends in this quarantine era... Outside of that fact, I think it's a very, very hard sell. Sam, what is your final 7D rating? Yeah, and so this is another thing that I'm very conflicted (laughs) about because I feel like this is a great representation of Terraforming Mars and Mm -hmm. given the opportunity, I would love to play it again with friends because I think that's that's what you can do with this is you can effectively play Terraforming Mars. Yeah. Uh, But because such a high barrier to our gameplay, you have to have, everyone has to be online. uh, Two days... Yeah, three days for me. Well, this is where perhaps our uh, rating system falls down because you po- probably don't want to play this every day for a week. You know, I right. really enjoy Terraforming Mars. I'm probably good for a few weeks off, but mm-hmm. I would like to play it again next time. Oh, yeah, we have like, like a rainy afternoon on a Saturday. I can totally see this being like a monthly thing, right? Like a monthly Terraforming Mars game night yep. between friends that, you know, uh, enjoy this game and play it often, right? So. Yeah. I can totally see that. Um, but yeah. Uh, but we're not going to call this Dirty Days to Play. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how lazy we get in future, but for now it's still seven. <laughs> uh, yeah, so two for you. Three for me. I tried some of like the solo modes and stuff, um, but yes. Tricky sell, unless you know you want to play Terraforming Mars. Yeah, if you enjoy Terraforming Mars as a board game, yeah. I think this is kind of a no-brainer. Um, especially for, for these days. The implementation, while a bit clumsy, is solid enough for you to enjoy the game. So Sam, that was your choice, which means, inevitably, it falls to me to choose the next game. Sam, you have seven days to play. Get access. Okay, so do I need access to Apple Arcade? <laughs> Get access, Sam. Okay, <laughs> give me the password. <laughs> uh, <laughs> access is spelled A-C-C underscore E-5-5. Mm. But I think the App Store search algorithm is smart enough to autocomplete that for you. Gotcha. Get access. It's, Have you it's got not access? a gotcha game. <laughs> uh, cool. So what is the, what's the tagline for this game, Edwin? Isometric cyberpunk adventure. Mm. Three things that I really like. I like isometric things. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk, I, not so sure on. I like the concept of cyberpunk, you know maybe um, yeah i mean as a child of the 90s and who doesn't love adventure edwin well sometimes <laughs> <laughs> cool this kind of reminds me of uh what's that game that we played recently mm. where she's a fix-it girl yes and somehow managed to exist on no money um millennial maker <laughs> No, I forget. Something about breaking things and fixing it um, with the with you know learning life lessons. That's why she fixes fixes broken items, but also fixes herself and her friends. <laughs> but it turns out you can't fix anything nowadays. You just have to buy new things. Consumers. She's at all really costs. she's really fixing her her relationship with her parents. Um, assemble with care. That's what it is. There it is. Thank you. Good. Good. Sam, you have seven days to play. You get access. Before we go, Edwin, things of the week, do you have one? Oh, I do. In these times of um, increased coffee consumption, um, I have a recommendation for some decaf coffee that I've been enjoying. 
uh, Victrola Coffee Roasters are a little chain in Seattle that I very much enjoyed going to while I was there. Oh, but a year ago. Seems like such a long time ago. Mm. And they have a, what they call it, a steep coffee. Mm. So you think about what you do for an herbal tea. Right. They've kind of done for a coffee. So it's this kind of like a coffee bag. Like a tea bag. <laughs> yes. But filled with coffee grinds instead, uh, which makes it, you know, it's a little bit bigger. Uh, they suggest you keep it steeping for four or five minutes. Mm. Uh, they have a decaf option and a calf option. Um, I've got the decaf. It is very delicious. You get 10 in a, in a set. Um, and I've been enjoying that for those afternoons where you know you've had too much coffee. Gotcha. But you still want that, <laughs> that delicious sour coffee s- taste. snack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, you, do you know if the decaf is Swiss decaf? Swiss processed decaf or chemically decaphenated? Oh, you're going to make me look at the link that I put in show notes, aren't you? Oh, Swiss water. Yeah, oh, no. it is the Swiss water process. Oh, good. Okay, good. Because I think this is one of the websites that doesn't work with my content blocker on gotcha. my phone. It is, yeah. <laughs> so it says that it is decaffeinated by our friends uh, Swiss water in Vancouver. Confusing. Confusing. <laughs> Very confusing. Or my friend's Canadian water in Geneva. <laughs> What's happening? Anyway, this is great if you're looking for something to sip on in the afternoon that's not going to get you wired mm. as much. On that, I actually converted to tea for my afternoon caffeinated beverage. Mm. Earl Grey. Hot. Hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen a Star Trek. So, Shame on you. Yeah, I still know that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, hear, I hear the reviews for Picard were mixed. Yeah, I heard some people liked it, like, a lot. But at the same time, I think there was something about it, like, feeling very awkward. But I don't know. I think that's for all the things, though, coming out these days. <laughs> um, my thing of the week is a show on HBO that uh, a lot of people have thought was very good. Gave it a shot. It is called Watchmen. On HBO, oh. season one. Ah, okay, excellent. Because I know you like to come to these things like after the hype has passed. Yeah, I think it helps me. I think, one, uh, I'm able to binge watch it, right? Because, or, or watch it at my time. Like, I feel, I don't have to feel the pressure of watching it weekly. Second, you know, I think yep. the hype adds so much to, to cloud your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know, um, with these things, especially there's still something, yeah, there's, there's still something about like there's shared cultural moment and, oh, you get your weekly podcasts where they're talking about it and, oh, you kind of do the deep dives and you feel like you're participating in culture. Yeah, there is that. And Watchmen, I think was such a, uh, a really good comic book that I read. Like the graphic novel was something that I really liked. And so I felt like a lot of pressure to really carefully watch it because I knew that it was good and people were like loving it. And usually those two things combined means that it's a total grapefruit for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel yep. very pressured to understand fully what it means. So I usually let that pass a little bit until I come to, I come to terms with it, <laughs> but the show is very good. I think it's such a faithful continuation of the comic and not the Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, yeah, some some of the episodes were just absolutely amazing. 
uh, I thought so well done. The story is absolutely crazy, much like the the original graphic novel. Uh, if you haven't watched yeah. it, I think you should definitely watch it. It's like nine episodes, nine one-hour mm-hmm. episodes. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do such a great job of, it's not a remake, mm-hmm. but they sort of just extend things in just a glorious way that totally makes sense and still remains faithful. So, so this is the thing that I, I wondered is I, I remember the comic book fairly well because I've read it mm-hmm. maybe three times, three or four times, uh, start to finish. And I watched, I was also a fan of the Zack Snyder movie, um, mm-hmm. for what it was. Uh, but without those two things, I, I wondered how people would understand this series and it must have been difficult. Yeah, I think they did a, also a good job of making this for people who know the original Watchmen, but mm-hmm. also coming to it fresh. Um, I think it worked pretty well. Yeah. So, did you watch, did you read the comic at all? I actually bought it. Yes. Oh. I have it right here. But sadly, you can tell that I got it recently because it now says, oh, now no. an HBO series. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm clearly just a wannabe fanboy, not, a, not hardcore enough. I should go and found the original 80s copy of it. Um yeah, I got totally sucked in and I read, maybe I read the, or I started reading the comic After you maybe a couple of weeks episode. before oh, gotcha. the first episode started because I knew there was a bit of hype around it. Um, right. And it totally makes sense if you have read in. the comic because you see things in the series that happened in the comic. Yes, absolutely. Um, yep. But yeah. I always often recommend Alt-Shift-X. Mm. Um, they do a good recap of Westworld, but they also do, they didn't do a episode by episode recap of... Um, watchman but they do a good overview uh which is definitely worth a watch so yeah definitely give it a, give it a shot i think watchman is great my next on the list is uh, a little show called mythic quest on apple tv plus hmm. which i'll give you an update on next week okay or maybe i'll watch that too hmm. some uh, shared homework oh wait this whole all this whole premise of this podcast is homework it's, it's just it. entertaining homework for all of us <laughs> and hopefully this week will be entertaining because Sam, you have seven days to play. Get access. Play along with us and tweet us your gaming suggestions at Seven Days to Play. Follow us on Spotify at Seven Days to Play. Seven Days to Play. Seven Days to Play. Seven days to play.